So a few years ago, I went for an eye exam, and um, I have horrible hearing, but I have pretty good vision. I've never had an issue with vision, so I went a little cocky, you know? I walked in, I thought I was going to nail everything, and so I was humbled pretty quickly because before you see the doctor, they put you in the eye-checking machine. You guys have experienced this, right, where you got to put your chin on the little thing there, and you look into the machine, and the technician warned me. Sir, before we do this test, what we do is we, we blow a little puff of air at your eye through the machine. And I was like, well, you got to warn me about a puff of air. I'm fine. I got the puff of air. You don't got to warn me at all, right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm anticipating it, and I'm ready. And when that puff hit, I jumped back three feet like a little child. Like, I was so scared by this little thing that hit me. And as I was back, my wife's laughing, the technician's laughing, and then I went back, and I'm I was, I, was, I was, you know, trying to exert some courage for round two, and I put my face on the thing, and the technician just goes, are you ready this time? And I was like, yes, I'm ready. Oh, wait, wait, uh, Kelly, hold my hand. And then I was good, okay? But I'll tell you what, vision is so important, right? Vision is something we have to make sure we're checking on, and we're making sure that it's still working right, okay? And so at church here, for the beginning of January, we're just talking about vision. We're talking about where we're headed and what God's doing and, and what we think God thinks is important for this season for our church. And so, so far, we've been looking at some, some words, some themes, and it's bold, strong, urgent, love. Those are our four words, we believe, that God's trying to get our attention on for this coming year. And so... So far, we've really kind of celebrated this, this saying or this, this, this whole kind of mantra that we would come around this theme and we would get it deep in our hearts. And so I want to say it, then I want you to say it with me again. Uh, I want us, again, to just have this right on the, the tip of our tongue whenever we need it. And so if this is week four for you, this, by the end of tonight, you'll have said this eight times with me here in the room. And so I pray it's getting down deep inside, all right? And so here's what our theme is. I'll say it, you say it with me after, okay? Bold and asking, strong in the Lord, urgently shining, love is the glue. Let's say it together. Bold and asking, strong in the Lord, urgently shining, love is the glue. I hope so far you've been you know, taking steps toward Jesus in these different areas. This idea of being bold in our asking. I pray that you're asking God for big things in 2020. They're just going, Jesus, I need you. There's some stuff that's just so big for me. I'm toast without you. I need you so badly. Please come through in this situation or that one. I'm going to be bold, not arrogant, but I'm going to be bold like you've told me to, Jesus, to come to you boldly and with confidence. And I'm going to lay out before you my issues and ask you to make a huge difference. And then I pray that you guys, man, we've been strong in the Lord. I pray you're inviting him into your weakness. We're going to kind of see how that ties into love tonight as well. But asking God just come into my weakness, invade my weakness. I know you're calling me to this or that, but that task is too heavy for me if I'm on my own here, God. So please, I'm inviting you into my weakness here. I want to be strong in you, strong in the Lord. And then last week we talked about how important urgency is, right? How we've got to live with urgency, how we've got to make sure that we're right with God. And we've got to really pay attention to that, like not put that off. And then we want to urgently shine to the world around us and say, man, you got to hear about this Jesus. He's amazing. He's a life changer. And so that's where we've been. Now, today I want to talk with you about this incredibly powerful and important word, love. And this phrase, love is the glue. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that love holds all the other stuff we've talked about together so far. It's the thing that holds all of us together. It's the thing that holds our relationship with God together, right? Love is the glue. And so if we have boldness, wonderful. If we're bold in our asking, if we have some strength, that's great. If we are urgent and urgently shining, that's awesome. But if we aren't loving, none of that matters. And so love has to be the glue that pulls all of the other things we've talked about in this series together. 
But the tricky part is loving is a challenge, right? It's a lot easier to give in to anger and gossip and unforgiveness than it is to give in and surrender your heart to love in any given moment. It's a lot easier to just take that easy road where you can just put somebody down, you can talk about them behind their back, you can betray them, you can walk away, or you can you know, lash out at someone who betrayed you or cut you off. It's real easy to just hang on to someone that's, something that's hurt you. It's, it's very easy to decide that you have given up on a, on a person or a church or God altogether because you've been hurt in some way or another. And I just want you to kind of think as we work our way through the message tonight, what maybe struggle might you have when it comes to this, okay? What struggle might you have when it comes to, to loving well or, or forgiving or you know, knocking off this gossip stuff that's going on in the background. But along with that, guys, and this might even be more important, is I want to talk with you about how we become a bunch of healed people on the inside so that we can actually love well. You see, that's what's interesting, I think, is that I think so often we get to church and it's like, okay, here's what we should do, but our heart is in no place to do it, right? And so tonight I want to really talk to your heart as we learn about some things. So we're really going kind of hard tonight at, at our head and our heart, okay? So I need you to be thinking, but I also need your heart to be pumping, all right? I need us in on this together because this is so important because Jesus is love. The most important thing in the world to Jesus is love. He is love, okay? And so without that, we have no glue to hold everything else together, to hold our relationship with God together, and to hold you and I together, right? And so this is a huge deal, and we miss out on so much when we don't love. I would guess a lot of you guys would agree with the following statements. I would guess you want to be in a church that's full of unity. I would guess you want to be in a church that has healthy relationships, not perfect ones, because that's impossible until we're in heaven, but healthy relationships. I would guess you want to be on the receiving end and the giving end of love. I would guess you want to see the depths of God's love. I would guess you want to be filled up with him. Like, for example, if some of you here would say, hey, man, I feel like I'm this filled up with God. Well, I think all of us would say, I want to be this filled up with God. I want to be, you know, overflowing, right? I think some of us also might, might be interested in this idea of God doing such big things that they blow our minds, right? Like, how cool would that be if God did some stuff that you were like, I didn't even think to ask him for that. That's just blowing my mind that he just came through in that way. And so tonight, we're going to discover that everything I just said is wrapped up in love. Every single thing I just listed, wrapped up in love. And so here's what we're going to see. We're going to see how we pull this off, man. How do you pull this off? With a, with a healed heart, how do you pull off loving well the way Jesus called us to? What are we aiming at? And then what's the outcome going to be? If you're not a follower of Jesus, let me say this. We're so excited that you're here. Thank you for being with us. But I want to start out by apologizing because I think sometimes Christians aren't loving. And I'm so sorry if it's ever been your experience to come into contact with a Christian who looked nothing like Jesus. And let me say two things about that. First off, we're imperfect like everybody else. So sometimes we mean to be loving and we're not. Secondly, not everybody who says they're a Christian is actually a Christian. Okay? So just be careful and realize that not everybody who says they are living and, and representing Jesus are actually doing that. But tonight I want you to see, man, we're aiming at this. And more than that, I want you to see the love that God has for you and the love that he wants to produce in your heart. And I believe you guys have some stuff here just like the rest of us that maybe God wants to heal. Like how cool would that be? Maybe some of you guys have just been living with it, man. You've been living with some deep pain. Or maybe you've been numbing it out in one way or another, man. But I believe God wants to actually bring healing. And so we're going to look at some verses that the Apostle Paul wrote, and he wrote to, two, he wrote to a lot of churches, but two of the churches he wrote to was Colossians and the Ephesians. So we're going to look in Colossians 3.1, and first we're going to talk about how do we pull this off, right? Like, what is the mindset that you and I need to have 
to pull off this love thing, to love the way Jesus has called us to. Look at what it says in Colossians 3.1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Okay, so Jesus loves you and me so much. He dies. He's put in the grave. He raises back from the dead. And what God is saying in these verses to us through Paul is, you know, God is raising you and I spiritually back to life just like Jesus was raised to life. But then look at what it says. This is so important. Here's how we pull this off. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. See, here's the problem. So often our hearts are set on the portrayal. Our hearts are set on who, who messed with us and, and we didn't see it coming. Our hearts are set on the anger and the unforgiveness and, and the situation that we can't imagine ever being put back together. But when you and I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm gonna set my heart on things above, and we get this beautiful image. This is where we're supposed to start. Set our hearts on Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now, why is that important? Like, why is that a big deal? Like, why am I going to tell you that this week, uh, about a hundred times, I'm going to challenge you, okay, to think about Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, okay? That's your homework for the week. A hundred times throughout your week, I want you, you're at school, you're at work, you're going through your day, you're, you're, you just woke up, you're, you're about to go to bed, I want you just to sit for a second and think, okay, Jesus sitting at the right hand of his Father, because this is going to enable me to love. Why is that true? A couple reasons. First off, Jesus sitting at the right hand of his Father is the perfect picture of unity, right? Like, Jesus and his Father have never had a disagreement. They've never had a fight. They've never had an argument. And think about all they had to be in on, on the same page with, right? Like creation, right? They never had an argument about where like this galaxy should go or that one, right? They're creating all things. They're creating tomatoes. Is it a vegetable or a fruit? We'll let them argue about it, right? Like they're totally cool, just on the same page, perfect unity. So you and I should look at that and say, wow, what a beautiful example. Guys, think about Jesus and the Father being on the same page in perfect unity when it comes to the plan of salvation. The Father sitting on his throne, right? The Son is seated at his side. And they look at humanity and the mess that it's become. And the Father looks at the Son and says, they're broken. They need a Savior. They need rescuing. I'm sending you. I mean, that's a perfect moment for Jesus to be like, I'm out, right? No, Jesus looks back at his Father and goes, I love them. I love you, I'm in, right? Like, wow, like unity around the plan of salvation and how much that caused Jesus. Jesus would be called the suffering servant, the man of sorrow. This was gonna cost him so much. I want you 100 times this week to stop and think about Jesus and his father and the unity there. Another thing I want you to see, when you picture Jesus sitting at the right hand of his father, you know who you're picturing? Your conquering savior, your conquering Savior, like the one who rose back from the dead. And let me ask you a question. If he rose back from the dead, do you think he can't conquer the unforgiveness in your heart? Right? Like what's harder, to raise back from the dead or to help you or I deal with some of the emotional pain that we've experienced that keeps us all tied up in knots, right? I want you to focus on Jesus and say, wow, he's alive. He's sitting at the right hand of his Father. And therefore, he can conquer my emotional pain and the woundings in my heart and the temper that I have and all that stuff. He can conquer that just like he conquered hell and death and the grave. Last reason, man, sitting, sitting there, you and I should be amazed at Jesus at the right hand of his Father is because there is a love in his eyes there, right? Like he looks at you and me with love in his eyes saying, I want them. I love them. I know they're a mess. I know they're making some bad decisions. I know they've done some stupid stuff this week or in their past. But you know what? 
I love them. And Jesus looks at you with love. He loves you in a way you don't deserve. So how can you and I get our hearts set on things above and see Jesus forgiving you and me for our sin and then not do that for somebody else, right? And so a hundred times this week, I want you to get into the habit of setting your heart on things above. Somebody cuts you off on the road, man, road rage, holy cow, I think Satan invented it. It's evil, man. It just comes at you. You become like the Hulk out of nowhere, right? Okay, wait, Jesus said at the right hand of the Father, right? You get home tonight, mom and dad are screaming at each other. Parents, you get home tonight, your kids are screaming at you. Jesus said at the right hand of the Father. Unity, wow. Love I don't deserve. Conquering, Savior. He can conquer this in me. He can conquer my anger. He can conquer my unforgiveness. And so Paul says, get your heart set on things above I don't know about you, I've done some horrible things in my life. I don't deserve the love that God has poured out on me. As a kid, I was a, a filthy little liar, man. I was a mess as a kid. I would lie to everybody. I would lie to my parents all the time, and I learned the hard way to tell the truth. As a college student, high school student, I, I had serious impurity issues. As an adult, I mean, I've wrestled with pride and jealousy and all the stuff you struggle with, right? And you know what? Jesus still looks at you and me and says, I forgive you. I love you. I want you, right? This is who's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Next verse, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Did you guys hear that? You died, like the old you is dead now. I almost wonder if we should start to have funerals when people put their trust in Jesus for the old them, you know? Like here lies Doug, man, he was an idiot, but thank God Jesus is doing something new in his life and the conquering savior is working on him. What a beautiful thing because the old us is gone, but there's this new us hidden, you guys see those verses? Hidden with Christ in God. Do you know what that means? Have you ever had something valuable that you needed to hide? I was somewhere this week, and I wasn't familiar with the place, and so I had something valuable I needed to put somewhere that I knew was safe, and my friend had something I could put it in their belongings, and I knew it would be safe. It was hidden. No one could see what I have. No one could see my wallet on my keys and take them, right? They're safe there. Do you know that you're hidden with Christ in God? That means you are secure in him. You know what's really hard for insecure people to love? You're hidden with Christ and God. You're secure in his love for you. Love from that place. Verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Guys, you are his. You will be with him in heaven. We've had several families in our church over the last few weeks lose loved ones. And you know what? Every one of them's in heaven. Every one of them. Christ raised and they are secure with him right now as we speak. That's what you and I look forward to. From that security, guys, we can love. Verse five, this might feel like we're getting off track. We are not, okay? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So Paul reminds us that the stuff on the screen, man, we've got to put it to death, Right? And you might say, well, how is like sexual immorality and greed a part of a talk about being a loving person? Can I tell you how? Because sexual immorality and greed are the opposite of love, right? Like if I'm going to love my wife well and love Jesus well, then I've got to walk in purity by the grace of God, right? And so I'm not loving my wife or loving my Savior if I'm giving in to that kind of stuff. And then it goes on. 
And this is where it ties in a little better. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Why? Because those are all the opposite of love. This is the stuff that takes the glue off. Okay? How many of you guys in the room have ever taken down wallpaper in your lifetime? Just raise your hand really, really high. Okay, cool. We're going to have our prayer team set up right here after the service because Satan invented road rage and wallpaper. I'm telling you right now, it is evil. And so when you want to take wallpaper down, you get a bottle like this and you fill it with a concoction to help kind of soften up the outside of the wallpaper. And then you have in your other hand a device to scrape. My very first day of work at Living Word Church was me and Pastor Pavone in our offices taking down this nasty old satanic-inspired wallpaper on the walls. It was evil. It was gross. And so we're taking this stuff down. And I almost gave up on ministry right then and there, man. Like, oh, Doug, you heard Doug gave up? Why did he give up? Oh, it was the nasty emails. Nah, man, it was the wallpaper. You know, it was just rough stuff. And so we are there, and here's what you do. You take your concoction, you spray it, and then you scrape, right? And then you spray it again, and you scrape, and you get little piece, little piece, little piece. If you get a piece this big, you're like, Jesus lives. Jesus reigns almighty over all the earth. Like, it's like worship service time, right? Then you get all the wallpaper off the wall, and now you have to do what with the concoction? You have to attack the what anybody know thank you you have to attack the glue so you start spraying at the glue and eventually the glue comes off because the concoction made that possible the concoction unstuck the glue guys the concoction that will break apart the glue in our lives every time we are full of anger it's we're spraying I love the glue. Every time we are full of rage or greed or impurity, we are spraying at the glue, the thing that's supposed to hold us all together. And so Paul says, get this stuff out of here. Don't allow that concoction to ruin the glue of love in our lives. Verse 9, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. I love that verse. You know why? Because, guys, the stuff we're talking about is hard right? Like you don't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I'm done with sexual immorality because that's the opposite of love. I'm done with greed. I'm done with anger. I'm done with unforgiveness and I'm good to go. And you just like, that's it. You're done, right? It's not how it works. Instead, you need a patient savior who is renewing you, right? Renewing your knowledge, renewing your understanding of who he is and what works and, and what God has placed you here to do and to be and, and what it's like to respond to him in that. I want to tell you tonight, if you're like, Doug, what you're asking me to do tonight in forgiving somebody or loving somebody that has so wronged me, it's impossible. I'll never get there. Can I tell you what? You have a patient savior who is renewing your knowledge and understanding of him. And you know what? If it takes you a year and a half or 10 years or two decades to get there, he will work with you and he will walk with you. And so the important thing for you tonight is to say, okay, I will take the step. I will take the step. It might, it might be the first of 10,000 steps, but I will take the step toward healing and I will take the step toward allowing God to renew my knowledge of him, my creator. It goes on. You're not a follower of Jesus. Listen to this. Maybe you're sitting here going, okay, that's great for all these church people. It sounds like God's real interested in them, but I'm not a church person and I'm not a Christian and I don't know what to do with all this. And you might be thinking, God doesn't want me. This must be for the spiritual people. Well, look at what it says next. He says, here 
There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. What's he saying? These are a lot of old-fashioned terms. We don't talk like this. But what's he saying? He's saying when you come to Jesus, it's a level playing field. Like it's not like because you came from this background or that race or your skin is this color or you speak that language or you did this last week. I'm sorry, you're not welcome here. Now this verse is saying just come and the only thing that is important and the only thing that matters and the only way to salvation is that Christ is all and is in all. In other words, the only way to salvation is Jesus alone. And so you and I get to come to him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, man, I want you to know he wants you to come to him. And he wants to bring great healing in your life. And he wants you to put your trust in him. And then he wants to love through you well. It goes on, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Here we go. Here's what we're aiming at. We don't want anger and rage and sexual immorality because it's the opposite of love. But this is what love looks like. Compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Some of us need to invite God into the weaknesses of our lives and say, God, I don't know how to be compassionate to this person, man. person at school drives me nuts. A person at the gym, I just want to throw a weight at them. Like that person in my office, I just can't take him anymore. Oh, God, please, I invite you into my weakness here, God. Be my strength. And then I love this, verse 14. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, about a year ago, almost to the day, we looked at this verse. And if you were here, hopefully you remember I had my wardrobe on, up on stage with me. And I was putting on shirts that had the word uh, compassion written on it and, and humility and gentleness. And then we, I had this big winter coat that I put on that said love on it, right? This idea of clothing ourselves in love. But you know what? Tonight I want us to think about the second half of the verse. Because it says this. These virtues, the most important one is love. Which what? Which binds them, binds them, glues them, Right? all together in perfect unity. A few months ago, my son Landon comes running upstairs. He had been playing down in the unfinished part of our basement. He's like, Dad, I think there's like an oil leak in our basement. And I'm like, no, in this house there probably is. And I go running down there. Thankfully, there wasn't an oil leak, but there there was a flood. There was water all over the unfinished part of the basement. And it was those four days in a row that we had where it rained like it did yesterday, but for like four straight weeks, or four, that would have been horrible, four straight days. That would have been building a boat, and we would be knowing it, right? But four straight days. And so I got the shop back, and I sucked all the water up, and within an hour or two, it was just as bad again. And we began to realize, as I traced things out and tried to figure out where it was coming from, that we actually had a crack in our foundation. And so I got water like coming in my house, and so Kelly goes to Home Depot with the kids, and, and they buy this quickrete thing. It's called quickrete, like quick concrete, and it's supposed to dry quick, and you put it on while the water's coming in, a bunch of lies. And so I'm there like slathering this in, and it's all wet and nasty. And so I got it to slow down a little bit, but there were still some holes, and I'm going to have to have this thing actually fixed in the spring from the outside. But for now, I just had to stop the water from coming in my house. And so the other thing Kelly bought was water weld. This is putty. And so what you do is you take it and you kind of mash it between your fingers and it gets all hot and then it gets this different color. And when it gets hot and a different color, you know it's ready to try to put on the crack and try to slow the water down. And so the man at Home Depot sold this to her and said, the important thing is you tell your husband to make sure he wears gloves 
when he does this. Now, I am in my basement, and it's flooding. I am not meandering through my house trying to find some gloves, okay? So I took the putty out. I start working it in my fingers, and I got it on the crack, and the water started to slow down a little bit more. And for the next three days, anytime my fingers touched, they got stuck together because this stuff was super sticky, right? Bound my fingers together. And Paul's saying that's what love's supposed to do. That's what love's supposed to do for, for us. And in two weeks, we're going to talk about some specifics, okay? We're going to talk about how we can actually make an impact on our community and our world through love. But for now, I want you to just think of this idea, this image of love binding us together, that love would bind us together. Love would bind this to- the topics in this series together of bold, strong, urgent love, that without love, bold, strong, urgent doesn't matter, right? That we need love to bind us together in these ways. That's what God's trying to say here. Because when you and I want to walk away, love makes us stick, right? When, when you and I want to write off the relationship or the friendship, love makes us stick. Is there a time to seek some counseling and some protection if you're being abused or something? Absolutely. We'll preach that every single time we talk about this. But there is the, so many other opportunities we have to just walk away, hold a, hold, a, hold a grudge, but no, we stick. You know, I'm going to leave the church. I'm going to leave Christians. I'm going to leave God. No, love makes us stick. We're bound together. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 3. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. So Paul's about to tell us he's praying. He's telling the Ephesians, I'm praying for you guys, and here's what I'm praying for. From, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. Here he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you. So that's for you and me who are feeling like I can't pull this off. You will, I'm sorry, he'll strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then I love this, you ready? And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Okay, we're going to pause there. I know it's halfway through a sentence, but what Paul is saying here is, I am praying, Ephesians, that you guys will be rooted and established in love. So the house that I now live in was built in 1956, and that's, uh, I'm not good at math, it's a while back, okay? And so I want you to think about the bathroom. Some of you guys have seen it. Joey and Andrew were there when uh, we, we, went, we did some work on the house, and some of you other guys helped us move some boxes in, and you saw that horrific, that's the third satanically inspired thing of the message there. It was the wallpaper, it was, what was the other one? Road Rage and my bathroom. It was really ugly and gross, okay? And so the tiles are there, but I want you to think about the fact that since 1956, those tiles have been in place and were not cracked. They were rooted and established. And what's so interesting is, is how many people walked on that over the decades? How many kids probably ran on it? How many hair dryers were dropped on it, how many cologne bottles were dropped on it, and yet still it remained strong, and it didn't crack. Why? Because it was rooted, and it was established. And then I think about this, a nice new piece of tile, it's probably built better, it's much more attractive to look at, but the interesting thing is, because it's not rooted and established, if I apply the same force, it breaks, right? The same force, I mean, the same force, probably less force than what was on those tiles for the last 60-something years. And yet, because it wasn't rooted, it broke. Because it wasn't established, it broke. Guys, and this is you and me, man. Isn't it interesting that when a certain pressure is applied to somebody, if they're rooted and established in the love of God, they will not break. But if they are not rooted and established in the love of God, they will crack right in half. And then... This jagged edge becomes how we walk through life. And we cut everybody 
we come in contact with. In fact, it was kind of a substance like this that ended up breaking my finger and cutting my finger right through my nail and needing a bunch of stitches. And it, it was kind of an edge just like this. And I guess the question for you and I is, is, are we going to go through life the jagged edge of the tile that was unrooted and therefore broke? Or are we going to actually say, God, heal me. God, I so badly need you to invade my heart and I welcome you into my weakness. Paul says this, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Here it is, to grasp how high, wide, and long, uh, how high, I'm sorry, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. What's Paul saying? When you guys are together, when love is the glue, you will see more of God's love than you will apart. When you are held together by his love, you will see more of him more of his love than you will apart. There's, there are depths of God's love that he almost has behind the curtain. And he's saying, I'm waiting for you guys to be unified and watch me open this curtain. Like, I'm waiting for you guys to, to come together and allow love to bind you together. I'm waiting for you guys to push aside um, impurity and greed and, and malice and anger and unforgiveness. And when you do, watch me rip the curtain open and I will show you depths of my love you would never see separated and disunified. Verse 19, he's still praying for us. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So like I said before, some of us have this much God in us, so to speak, right? And we're like, ah, fill me to the measure, God. Well, when's it going to happen? It's going to happen when you and I decide that love is the glue. And whatever we've got to do, however long it takes, we're going to partner and cooperate with God to love and to walk this out. And then he says this, now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Can we just stop there for a second and think about that? Paul's saying when we are rooted and established in love, when we are unified, we're going to see some mind-blowing stuff. Love is the glue, guys. And when we are glued up with that love, we're going to see him do things we weren't even asking him for. Things we couldn't even imagine. Like, how cool would that be? Like, hey, what did God do this week? I can't even believe I'm saying this, but this is what God did this week. Well, when's that gonna happen? When love is the glue. When love is unifying us. When love is, is uniting you and your Savior. When love is uniting you and the person that's so hard to love. And, and I'm telling you, just like as a dad, man, there's nothing that brings me more joy than when my kids are getting along, when they're loving, when they're laughing. Man, I get that. Like when I see that, I want to bless my kids, you know? Like uh, that just sets the mood. It sets the opportunity for there to be blessing in that relationship. And I believe the same is true for you and me. That we set the opportunity and we say, God, come do your thing. Here we are. We're together. We, you know what? If we're being real, there's, there's stuff we don't like about each other, but we're looking past that, and we're not going to talk about that stuff we don't like about each other behind each other's backs, and we're just going to love well, and we're going to honor well, and we're going to serve well, and we're going to let go of, 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 of accounts and, and different offenses and hurts, and wow, I'm telling you, God looks at that and says, well, then it is blessing time. We're going to do some stuff that's going to blow your mind. Man, I don't know about you, but I want in on that. And so what are we seeing here tonight? Love is the glue. That holds us together. Love is the glue that holds us together. That's what I want you to remember this week. I want you to think about the, 
the, the son sitting by the father a hundred times this week, a hundred plus times, when you start to feel your temperature rising, your heart beating, you're ready to lash out, you're ready, you got your comeback, you're ready to go to that place and do something that would be so unloving toward a person or against a person or against a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you're involved in a relationship with, and you're going to go do that with that person? Stop and think about Jesus sitting at the right hand of his father. This is how we pull this off. Wait, 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 Jesus, conquering Savior. Wait, Jesus and his Father, perfect union. Wait, Jesus, wow, he's looking at me with love in his eyes when I don't deserve that. That's how we pull this off. And what are we aiming at? We're aiming at compassion and humility and love. And what will happen when we live that out? Man, we will see depths of God's love we have never seen before. We will be full to the measure of God's love. And we will see him do the mind-blowing things that I believe so many of us in this room want to see him do it's all wrapped up in if we'll love one another and so let me ask you a question how's your heart right like maybe you've been thinking about a person you've been thinking about a person that did something horrible to you betrayed you just so you know however many of us are in this room it's happened to every single one of us at one point or another you're not alone in your pain but here's what I want to ask you how's your heart like is your heart partnering up with Jesus tonight and saying, all right, God, we're going to do this? Or are you going to try to just like walk it alone? Are you just going to say, you know what, Jesus, uh, I'm going to hang on to my anger and I'm going to hang on to my unforgiveness. But here's, here's the deal, Jesus. I know I'm going to spend the rest of my life walking around tearing people apart. Here's the question. Are you tonight going to stay instead? Lord, come heal me. Come heal me. Guys in the room, can we just stop being tough guys and can we get real with Jesus and with one another and say, Man, I, I got some real brokenness in my life, and I need to be healed up, God. There's a pastor and ministry leader named Terry Wardle, and Terry, as a young kid, I'm talking like under the age of 10, saw some horrific things. He saw his grandfather have a heart attack and die feet from him. He saw his aunt, I'm sorry, his uncle shoot his aunt in the chest with a shotgun under the age of 10. His dad used to tell his mom that he was taking Terry and they were going to go on a drive. And what his dad would really do is drive to the middle of the woods, leave Terry in the car all by himself, and then run to various women's houses and have affairs. And Terry was the alibi that he was just out doing innocent stuff. His mom would either hit him or hug him depending on her mood. And so that's all under the age of 10. And he went through a bunch more. I'm kind of leaving out. You go up into his teen years and into his young adulthood years. And he, he went through a lot. And he got saved in his, in his mid-teens. And the problem was, like so many of us, like me, like what I did when I was a teenager, because I just wanted to have fun. I still just want to have fun in life, right? But I, I just shoved the pain, right? I just pushed it down. I just let my heart stay broken. I let it stay jagged. And I didn't realize it because I was just going to tell another joke and laugh it off. But eventually this was going to catch up with me. And eventually this would come out at my wife and my kids. Eventually this would come out with people that I loved and cared for. And Terry, in the same way, had many of the same struggles. And there came a point where Terry had to decide if he was going to remain that way or not. And, and he decided for many years of his life, I'm going to stay just like I am. So Terry starts a church. He goes in the ministry, he starts a church. Church blows up. God uses him in great ways. And then he gets asked to be uh, the dean of a seminary right upstate in New York, the school that I went to. And so he's there, and he's uh, the dean of this seminary. And then he gets asked to move across the country, and he goes to California, and he's just kicking butt in this church that's growing, and people's lives are being changed, and he's working as the dean of this other school now. 
But another pastor in the area, probably because of jealousy and because this guy maybe didn't have all the credentials that this other guy thought he should have, he began to basically get an army of people and, and say, hey, we need to get this guy removed from both of his positions as a pastor and as, as a college dean. And, and he, they were successful. And so this guy got thrown out. And everything he had shoved came out right then and he broke. And he ended up institutionalized for a while. And while he was in there, through deep conversation and a lot of tears and pain, he realized, oh my gosh, my whole life I'm just, I've just been allowing my heart to, to be uh, just a punching bag. And I've never dealt with it. I've never brought it to Jesus. I, I love Jesus. I know Jesus. But I've never invited him to heal me and make a difference here. And so again, he had a choice. What am I going to do? And this time he chose to go through it with Jesus. This time he, he opened up his heart. He said, Jesus... I'm inviting you into my brokenness and my weakness, and I need you to heal me and make me new because there's no way I will make it if you don't. Because he realized the institution he was in could help him understand why, what was wrong with him, but they couldn't actually fix him. And so he had to now decide, am I going to walk through the grief? And somebody once said that you don't go around grief, you don't go over grief, you go through grief, right? We all want to go around it or over it. we got to walk through it. But the, the difference comes when you and I say, Jesus, can you walk through this grief with me? Some of us are facing grief right now we've got to walk through. Some of us need to say, Jesus, I got grief from like 20 years ago. I got grief from like five years ago. I got grief from last month, Jesus. I need you to walk through it with me. And so he began to do that. He began to seek counseling. Can I tell you today that, man, counseling is a good thing. Uh, A biblical counselor, a godly person that can look you in the face and point you to Jesus and help you work through some junk in your life, there is nothing to be ashamed of asking for some help. And so he began to walk through that, and he went back to the places where the woundings took place. He, he went back to where he grew up, where his grandpa dropped dead, where his, aunt shot, his uncle shot his aunt, where his mom would hit him, where his dad would drive him. And, and he just began to invite Jesus into the pain of those memories and say, God, heal me up, heal me up, heal me up, change me, make me new. And eventually he was able to forgive his mom, forgive his grandpa for what they had done. But there was still dad, right? And a lot of us know, man, the... The dad wounds are often the worst. And so he remembers walking to a river that he used to go to as a kid. And as he was standing there thinking about his dad and the affairs and the lying. And, and his dad never once in his life said one uplifting or loving thing to him. And often mocked and ridiculed him. He, he, he didn't have like a vision, but he just kind of like imagined Jesus standing next to him on the bank of this river. Holding all of Terry's sin. And he just saw Jesus just dropping all of Terry's sin into the water and it washed away. And in that moment, he knew, man, I've got to do the same for my dad. How can I, with my heart set on things above, seeing Jesus in his amazing place of, of forgiveness, looking me in the eye with love, how can I then withhold forgiveness from my dad? And so he went ahead and forgave and felt healing in that. This took time, guys. This took time. Remember our patient Savior? who renews us and our knowledge of our creator. This takes time, and that's okay. But we take a step, right? And we invite Jesus in. But then there was that, that, that whole school and that whole California thing. He had vowed he'd never visit the church again, the school again, or the state of California was off his list because of the pain that he found there. But as his son grew up, he got offered a job, not only in California, but in the exact church that had betrayed him, and he took it. And him and Terry and his son had it out. He said, I can't believe you would do this to me. This is a total betrayal, and I will never visit you. Well, years went on. Terry's son and his wife had kids, and 
Grandkids are a powerful force to move grandparents when they don't want to be moved. And so Terry and his wife decided to go visit the kids. And as they went out there, everything was going well. They went with the kids to a park. And as they're at the park and about to go have some fun and adventure for the afternoon, who pulls up in that parking lot but that pastor from the community who had betrayed this guy decades now before? His heart starts beating. This guy has had a million fake conversations in his head with this guy. He's put him in his place. He's thought to himself, if only I had the opportunity, man, to lay into him and let him know what pain he's caused me. Instead, a guy walked out, and Terry began to pray and said, God, what do I do? And he felt like God just put on his heart, honor him. Terry's like arguing with him, like, honor him. This is the guy who triggered me putting in, getting put into a mental institution. This is the guy who broke me. This is the guy who betrayed me. This is the guy who lied about me. This is the guy who got me kicked out of what I loved and was passionate about and gifted to do and not probably even called to do. He said, honor him. And so Terry went up to this man, and the man didn't recognize him because years had passed, and he introduced himself. The man was taken back a little bit. But Terry began to honor him. He said, hey, I just want to thank you for the years that you've pastored in this community. I want to thank you for the way you let God use you. I want to thank you for the, the, the countless people that you've led to Jesus in this community. And then he, he began to just question him and ask him about his ministry and his retirement. And this is what Terry had to say about that time. He said, as I did this, God began to work in both our hearts. For the first time, we were talking and getting to know each other. During this space of a few minutes, walls started coming down and a spark of affection began to grow. Listen, as an old wound faded and in its place was an experience that would one day become a sweet memory. Love makes this happen. Only love. Only the love of the Father to Terry. And think about this, the love of the Father for that other pastor. And then the love of the Father and Jesus through this man to this pastor who had betrayed him. That's, that's love, guys. That's the glue. Like, that's what makes the difference. Can I tell you what never makes it into Terry Wardle's book? If he goes up to the guy and he tells him off and, like, pushes him into a river or something, right? <laughs> that, that gets written in another book, right? That, that never makes the book because love is the glue, right? Like none of us are inspired by doing what we all feel to normally do in the moment and tell the guy off and do something mean, right? No, what makes the difference is when we do what Jesus called us to do. And it took this guy in the moment, guys, this is so important, in the moment, checking in with God, right? Getting his heart and his mind right, getting his heart and mind set back on things above and saying, what am I supposed to do here, God? Most of us would just turn our backs and run and not even think about talking to God in the moment. But he's going, no, I'm going to choose the road that leads to healing. I'm going to choose the road that allows God to love through me, even when it's this painful. And that's the kind of love that changes the world, right? And so if you're a follower of Jesus today, how's your heart? You know, in all my years as a pastor, I can't think of three weeks where we lost as many people as we have in these last three. Like, I, I just found out I had to have a great aunt that passed away this week. We, I mean, it's like nuts. Like, how many amazing, beautiful people we've lost? Mary, sweet Mary, lost somebody she loves. We got the Gordon family here, just lost uh, their mom and, and grandma and aunt. And we have... Gabby Cobb, and we, and we think about the pain, right? And some of us in this room, we, we've experienced such great loss. And my request to you is, is don't shove that deep down. 
Because then we end up jaded and we end up cutting everybody we come in contact with. Instead, let's invite Jesus in. Let him heal our hearts up. Because love is the glue that keeps us connected to him, keeps us, keeps us connected to one another. And love is the glue that makes the bold, the strong, and the urgent matter at all. And so, followers of Jesus in the room, love is the glue. Love is the glue that holds us together. A hundred times this week, I want you to picture the Son sit at the right hand of the Father in the moment. I want it to fuel you and remind you of the unity there, the conquering Savior, and the one who looks at you with love in his eyes. One last time together, let's remind ourselves what we're aiming at this year. I'll say it, then you say it. Bold and asking, strong in the Lord, urgently shining. Love is the glue. Let's say it together. Bold and asking, strong in the Lord, urgently shining. Love is the glue. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this vision, God. We thank you for what you've put on our heart for the beginning of 2020. And uh, God, it's, it's so much, Lord. It's a heavy topic tonight, God. But we thank you that you're the conquering Savior, Jesus. You conquered the grave. There's no way you can't conquer the unforgiveness, the anger, the hurt, the brokenness in our hearts. And so, God, we're so grateful for that. God, that you're with us, and we invite you now into our hurt, and that's what I want to ask you to do. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, would you invite him into your hurt today? Would you invite him into your brokenness today? Would you pray about the person that you need to love or forgive? Would you pray about having the boldness to pursue telling a friend about what you've gone through or, or getting into some godly counseling so that God can heal you up? Would you just pray about that? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray, for me, or pray with me right now if you want to put your trust in him. You heard tonight how much he loves you. You heard that all are welcome. And if you want to begin a conversation with him, you could just pray with me now something like this. Jesus, thank you so much that I can come to you. That my sin, my background, my past, none of it rules me out from knowing you and following you. And Jesus, I just pray now that you'll show me what it is to follow Jesus, to walk close to you, and to invite you into my hurt and my pain. Thank you for this gift of salvation. Before we sing together tonight, just everybody keep your eyes closed for a second. You don't have to do this, but I would love if you're willing to do this, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you just look up at me real quick, if anybody in the room tonight, and the reason I ask you to do this is so I could be praying for you this week. Thank you. Anybody else today? Just a quick glance. Nobody else needs to see it or know about it. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. I see you back there. That's amazing. Awesome. Anybody else over here on this side? That's great. Thank you. Cool. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, God. Help us, God. Love is the glue that holds us together.